and welcome to episode 13 of The List Makers, a mini podcast from the Doctor Who show. Same as always, we're going to take a top five topic, we're going to create some lists and then have a chat about them. I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. And as you know, there are no hard and fast rules, it's all about the chat, and today our topic is top five historicals. Yes, for episode Lucky 13, Historicals. It is, and I have set myself a rule that I mentioned at the end of last month's list makers, but Mm -hmm. we'll get to me in a moment because, Rob, it is your turn to make the list first. Well, I'm wondering if that rule might relate to something I've done myself when I was making this list because I think (laughs) we could have some snaps. We could run into similar territory. I don't want to try and guess, Dave. Oh, maybe I do. I reckon we'll have two snaps tonight. I reckon two snaps. Okay. I'm going to kick off my list with Black Orchid. And I thought I'd start with this because I do genuinely enjoy the story. And it's a proper historical, which hadn't been done in forever on the show. And subsequently wasn't done since. It's a real oddity. It sticks out. So I'm throwing it in here. And on a personal level, something I've always said, something I've said many times before on the podcast as well, The Davo Doctor is so deeply 1920s in his look, in his vibe. Having him in a 1920s story here just feels so good. And I would have loved to have seen this era again during his time on the show. Okay. Coming in at number four, I've selected Demons of the Punjab. Now, I've picked this to highlight the concept of the pseudo-historical. I'm wondering if that might be what you're going to talk about later yourself. This is something that started a long time ago, back in 1965 in the Time Meddler, no less. And also, I'm picking it just to prove that there are parts of the Whitaker era that I actually like. I think the core story here is really great. What it could do better, though, is drop the aliens altogether. Just drop Jodie in an historical situation. I mean, the audience can handle it, BBC. Honest, they really, really can. But I'll move on. And I'll move on to Vincent and the Doctor. Now, for me, this is a sequel of sorts to mentioning Demons of the Punjab from the point of view that this is another really, really good episode that could lose the crap alien and be just as good, if not better, than it already is. Just be a pure historical, please. It brings me back to this idea that modern Doctor Who seems to be terrified that the audience won't go for a pure historical when the people who are watching it likely watch historical TV shows all the time and are very used to watching things set in history that don't need aliens to drive the plot along. Having a Time Lord and his crew in the story is enough modern stuff for for me in, a, in an historical. It doesn't need aliens. Anyway, I'll move on from that. And I'll move on to number two, which is Marco Polo. Now, this is a really guilty pleasure story to insert here, and it is strongly, strongly influenced by reading the Target novel when I was about 12, yeah, I'd say about 12, and thinking it was such a big adventure in a time and place I was conscious of. Obviously, it was. I knew China existed, but I didn't really know a lot about it. And in the years since, I've seen, you know, images from the set and sometimes they're in colour. And I really do pine after this one as a missing story I'd love to see. I think a lot of people would. Finally, at number one, I've selected, and you'll probably know I'm going to select this. I've selected the Romans. And I've selected this because the story is really fun. And this is something people don't always associate with the first Doctor and the first Doctor's era. 
you know, I know we do our best on the podcast to point out what a sham um, Twice Upon a Time was and how people really should give the first Doctor's era a go if they haven't before. And watching something like this, I think, would be a fine start. So a gratuitous plug here for the Romans, and that's my number one. That's quite a varied list, Rob. I tried to make it varied. Yeah, that that's quite deliberate because there are a lot that you could throw in there, especially when you throw in, you know, the pseudo-historicals. Yes, no, that's very, very reasonable. Look, there's a couple of points there that I would like to tease out. but Any we'll, snaps? We'll start by making my list, and there are two snaps. We got two! We got two. <laughs> are they the two you were expecting? We will find out right now. Okay. So at the end of last episode, when this was dragged out of Turlo's Hat of Rassilon, I did say to myself, and I think I said this on the episode, I am only going to allow myself to pick one Hartnell historical. And I'll come to the reason for that as I go through my list. But that is the rule I have set myself because we can make any rules we like. Absolutely. Number five. My number five. Your number five is a Devo. My number five is a Devo. I've gone for The Visitation. Right. Okay. This to me is a really good historical. It is like some of your picks are pseudo-historical. It has got pteroleptals and androids. But it does immerse itself in the era very, very well in the 1660s, 1666, in fact. It looks quite sumptuous. The manor house is really good. The village is really good. The construction of Pudding Lane is really effective. It does invoke the atmosphere of the time, the plague, all the stuff that's going on. And, of course, it is one of those historicals that is a lot rarer than I think people think it is, that directly references an actual historical event, that being the Great Fire of London. So I think it's really good and a really lovely little Davison story. Mm-hmm. Number four, The Empty Child. Oh, great. World War Two. Because I figure that we're now in 2022. And frankly, even in 2005, World War Two is surely long ago enough that it counts as an historical. It's outside my lifetime. It's outside my parents' lifetime. It, it is actually quite a while away. And this is, again as it stands, not just on its own, a fantastically good story. Possibly my favourite of the Equiston era. Occasionally, you know, I could go somewhere else, but it's it's right up there. But again, it just imbibes itself with the whole feeling of the particular era that it's in. You feel like you're in World War II. You've mm. got the war going on around you. You've got food rationing. You've got sheltering from bombs. You've got that feeling that any moment now you could be killed in a bombing raid. Mm. And it just evokes it all so, so effectively. And I think it actually is a really good historical. And when I decided that World War II qualified, I will say I came very close to putting the Curse of Fenwick on, but I, I did think that was too pseudo and not historical enough. Yeah, fair enough. And look, I'll tell you something about World War II, because I was doing this research just recently. Of 16 million US service personnel... Less than a quarter of a million are left, and 250 pass away every day. Wow. Yeah, I was doing this some separate research, and that just sticks in my head, that little fact. So basically, from the US point of view, basically everyone who was involved with World War II has, has left us. Yeah, I- I- exactly. So I think that absolutely this can count as an historical era now. Mm. Uh, number three, I am going to cheat a little bit and go with the Virgin Missing Adventure, The Plotters. Oh, a book. A book. Okay. So The Plotters is by Gareth Roberts. 
And it is a bit of a rarity because unlike all of Gareth Roberts' other missing adventures, which are famously all in season 17, mm. this is in season two with the first Doctor, uh, Barbara, Ian and Vicky. It's set during the time of the gunpowder plot in the court of James I. It has the Doctor doing all the things you'd expect him to do in the court of James I, getting into intrigue with Cecil. It has Vicky, who's dressed as a boy, and therefore getting the attentions of James I in some rather <laughs> amusing ways. But it's a very witty book. It's a very historical book. The The author at the very start does say, look, this is not historically accurate because there weren't any time travellers visiting that we know of during mm. the gunpowder plot. But... Again, it's got the flavour, it's got the ideas, and it's a very fun book and a very witty book. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. We've had no snaps, so the snaps are coming up at two oh and one. Oh, my God. Okay. Number two, Demons of the Punjab. Ah, there we go. This, I agree with you, is a really effective historical. It is my favourite of the current era of Doctor Who. It, again, evokes what's going on in that era. It evokes the good of the era it evokes the bad of the era. It evokes the emotion of the era. It's a very good story. It's good use of the Doctor. I agree on this one, that the aliens didn't need to be there, although they do add a different perspective into what's going on and a certain sense of tension, which is useful and, and, and important. But I would love this story without it. I've said that when we end the Jodie Whittaker era, which we're going to do sometime this year, mm-hmm. apart from a couple of exceptions like Kablam, like Fugitive of the Jadoon, like Village of the Angels. The ones I'm going to look back on most fondly are the historicals. Rosa, Witchfinders, Demons of the Punjab. They've had a really good run of these, and I think it's a really great thing that Chibnall has revived. And probably my number one positive about the Chibnall era, particularly Demons of the Punjab. Mm. Number one is another snap, and I've gone with Marco Polo. Oh, okay. Now, if I hadn't imposed the rule I had... We would have had more snaps because I would have gone with five Hartnell historicals. They are my favourite <laughs> subgenre of the show. I would have had Marco Polo and the Aztecs and the Crusades and the Romans. Uh, the Mythmakers could have been in there. Uh, the Highlanders, probably not quite. They didn't quite make the list. It's a Troughton, of course. But, you know, those 60s historicals are really, really wonderful. The thing that I took away most from Doctor Who as a boy is a love of history. Yes. And, and that, that is my first passion. My bookshelves are full of books about history and politics, but, but first and foremost, history. I've been to the location of all but two or three, three or four of the 60s historicals, mm-hmm. um, some by coincidence, some by design. I am, fingers crossed, going to get to another one in September, sorry, in August of this year, mm-hmm. um, which will only leave me two more to go and... One of them is one of the more difficult ones, being Marco Polo. Right, uh, yes. So, look, I have, <laughs> I have picked Marco Polo to represent an era that I love. Marco Polo, and I spoke about this at more length when I guested on the Marco Polo episode of All in Time and Space podcast. Please do check it out. Mm. But this is a lyrical Doctor Who story. The script is from an era when we were basically doing stage plays on television mm-hmm. and it is wonderful and it is romantic and the characters are full of depth and flavor and color. Marco Polo and Tagana and Kublai Khan, real characters that we actually get to meet and the doctor gets to interact with. We, we actually talk about towns like Lop, like Peking. We talk about 
um, cafe during that, that period, during the 13th century. We talk about the various roads in the deserts, and you can then go and you can look them up, and you can read about them, and you can enjoy them. The Doctor is fantastic. Ian and Barbara are fantastic. I think it is probably Susan's best story, and it's unfortunate for Susan that it is missing. There's, there's just so much to love about the way that it enriches his history with the Doctor Who characters in the way that the Aztecs does, in the way that so many of the others do. Um, Unfortunate for Susan, it comes so early at the start of her uh, time on the show too. Yeah, that, that's unfortunate <laughs> She as well. peaks early. <laughs> look, look, she does, she does. Uh, look, so as I say, I, I love Michael Polo, but I love the others as well. It is standing there as a representative for the Hartnell historicals as it stands. Rob, we had two snaps. Yes. We went in some different directions, but some similarities. We both had a Davos pseudo-historical in there. I'm going to disagree with you, though, on something. That is Vincent and the Doctor. Not right. your pick of it. I think it's a wonderful story. I've said before, yeah. it's my favourite Matt Smith story. I must admit, it doesn't strike me as an historical. Well, I'm going with historical characters as what sets the mm. the, the, the scene for an historical <laughs> Oh, look, it, it, it technically, absolutely, it is. it meets the criteria. It's an historical, but if you ask me to list the historicals, I, I would have brushed over it because it's just such a character piece about such contemporary issues that you kind of forget that they go back and meet Vincent van Gogh in his own time. Mm. And and it's about bringing him to the modern time and, and seeing modern times. And that, that's something I think we fantasise about doing with people from the past wouldn't you love to go back and show julius caesar like a textbook about what happened in rome after he was killed or something like that you know wouldn't you love to have these interactions with people could you imagine just talking to julius caesar about the romantic lionization of brutus You're like that bastard yeah <laughs> exactly exactly so you know for, for mine it's more about the characters i know you could set an historical in an historical era and, and not meet anyone famous at all, and it's still an historical. But for me, it's more about, and I don't know whether this is because I grew up with the young Indiana Jones Chronicles where Indy runs into a famous person in every episode or what, but to me it's more about the characters, you know, the fact that it is Marco Polo that you meet, the fact that it is Vincent van Gogh, than it is particularly about the era. So it doesn't matter to me that they go into the future with him. No, no, and like you say, it, it's a totally correct pick, and it's a wonderful story. I, I just, yeah, didn't didn't sort of strike me. Oh, yeah, of course, that's an historical. Um, and I must admit, I, I, I was actually sort of leaning towards. I disagree with your saying that the alien doesn't need to be in that because I think that that is a very important sort of alliteration or allegorical representation of um, the depression and the, and the psychic issues that, that Van Gogh's got. So I actually think it's quite important to the story, uh, unlike the aliens in Punjab, which kind of are there, as you said, for the modern audience, which brings me to another point mm-hmm. I was going to make, which is just how different the historicals are across the series, particularly the RTD historicals, which really do feel like a lot of modern historical television, which is basically, this is just like us, but back then, and this is just a soap opera or a modern drama, and they all speak like us, and they're all colloquial mm. like us, and, and there's no sort of sense of them living in a particular world or a particular era. Fires of Pompeii, I think, is the the worst offender for that. Uh, the Shakespeare Code is probably another one, but but it's not out of sync with modern television. I think of shows that I've watched kind of as guilty pleasures, like Rain or Victoria, and yeah, yeah. in in those ones, look, they're they're fun to watch, but they're fun to watch 
Because they're basically modern soap operas that just use historical characters in a very loose sort of way. Even The Crown, although there are moments in that that are historically accurate, there are moments where the author says, no, nah, I just made this up because, you know, a little bit of adultery is good for the ratings. Yeah. Oh, look, they're very easy to chew, if yeah. I can put it that way. Yeah. You know, it's not like, I don't know whether you've read the sailing novels of Patrick O'Brien, which no. the movie Master and Commander was based on, for example, the, the Aubrey Maturin novels, as they're called, with Jack Aubrey and um, Stephen Maturin as the main characters. They are written as if Patrick O'Brien actually lived about 200 years ago. They are dense. So I'm, I'm, I know I'm going switching over to books here from TV, but it's the same sort of thing. You can read a Patrick O'Brien novel. It's dense. It's like it was written 200 years ago. There are other novels written about the, the Royal Navy in the 1800s that are, are written in that more soap opera-ish, easy-to-chew kind of way. So I get what you mean. It happens in novels and fiction as well as TV these days. But I wanted to throw a question up there before we run out of time today, Dave, because I raised this. Why is the BBC, or the, the Doctor Who production office, I should say, so terrified of letting Doctor Who have pure historicals? I think it's because they feel like there needs to be that sci-fi hook to get the audience in. But I also think it's because they don't trust the audience to know or understand historicals. And one thing that's really interesting when you go back to these Hartnell historicals is just how lightly they touch over where they are and who these people are. For example, when they say, oh, that's Marco Polo, it's like, oh, that's Marco Polo. And every school kid in Britain is going to know who Marco Polo is. Or mm. we're in France during the Reign of Terror. And nobody has to say... What's that doctor? Oh, you see, the reign of terror occurred in da 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 da. This happened, and Robespierre yeah. was this guy. If there's just an assumption that the school kids of Britain know some history, and I think that is an assumption you couldn't make today, and therefore they think, well, we can't hook it into this sort of stuff. You know, we can't hook it into um, James the First and the Witchfinders and all this sort of thing. So let's have an alien presence there that everyone can grab hold of. That's, yeah, and that's really sad. I guess that's my own bias because I love history myself. So to me, all, all of this is second nature. And to me, the sci-fi element is the fact that people are frigging time-travelled there in the first place. That's the sci-fi element. Now let's just tell a story in that era. It, it is, and it also underestimates kids who don't know because, I'll be honest, until I read the novel Marco Polo when I was nine, I think I was in grade three, yeah. I had no idea who Marco Polo was, but I read the novel and then I went to the library and I looked up books about Marco Polo and I learned more about this guy. And yeah. that's what the show's meant to do. Yeah, so, exactly. um, you know, you, you watch The Time Meddler and it talks about the Battle of Hastings in 1066. And so you then go and say, hey, mum, dad, what was 1066? Let's get a book about it. Let's talk about that. And suddenly you leave the show more knowledgeable. And that's a good thing. Or for modern kids, go on Wikipedia. All modern kids go on Wikipedia, and I said at the time, you know, how, how I said this during our hot take, whatever your views on the partition of India and what happened and how Demons of the Punjab portrayed it, if it leads to a few kids going on Wikipedia and looking up the history of the empire in India and the partition of India, and they learn and they then form their own views and their own perspectives, that's the job of the show done. Exactly. Well, we've had a varied list, but we've well and truly wrapped up to the uh, the end there because there's a lot we could talk about. We We're, could do a double episode on this. We one, could easily do a double episode on this, and we've talked about a lot of sort of runners up that didn't get a mention. But it is time to take out Turlo's Hat of Wrestling. Yes. Now, this is one that is very open to interpretation, Rob. 
Uh-oh. <laughs> because next month we're talking about top five yeah. guest stars. Oh, hell. Okay. That is a very wide net if you let it be, but a conversation for next time. We have made a couple of lists. We've had a bit of a chat. Time is up. I've been Dave. I've been Rob. And we'll make some more lists next month. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thank you.